Greetings, Nexus Church family online. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a first-time listener today or viewer, it's an honor that you would join us. And we are so excited for what God has for us today in our worship service. Today we will begin with one song to prepare us for the message that will be delivered. And then we will close down the service with a song of reflection And so we will open up today in a word of prayer, and then we will go right into our worship set. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for those who are listening, Father. I pray that you will speak to their minds and their hearts, God, that you will be right now preparing them, God, for what you have. And I thank you, God, that you're a living God. You're a God that cares. You're a God that loves each and every one of us. And so as we go into this time of worship, as we sing this song, may you be glorified and may you do a great work in each viewer's lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Welcome back, Nexus Church Online family. Great to have you back with us. Well, today we are on our fourth week in our series covering the five foundational characteristics, really, of what is a healthy family, whether it's a school family, biological family, work family, neighborhood. We're all a part of a family, and we want to be healthy. Now, the first three weeks... We talked about how we are to have trust and mercy and humility, that those are the first three foundations to a healthy family. In order to to have any kind of growth in a family, you need to be able to trust that they are for you. In order to have any kind of health in a family, you need to know that you are cared for, that you are forgiven no matter what. And honestly, who doesn't want a family where we don't think of ourselves first, we think of others first. We are humble. And so now this week, we're going to be taking a look at something that maybe you wouldn't consider a real foundation to a healthy family, and that is generosity. Generosity is crucial to a healthy family, but what comes to mind when you think of generosity? Maybe it's thinking about giving to those in need. Maybe it's thinking about setting aside 10% of your income to give back to God. There is so many different thoughts that come to mind when we talk about generosity. And for every person listening or watching today, I can guarantee that you are going to have a different idea of what generosity looks like. Maybe a better question to ask is, why? Why should you or I be generous? You see, the reality is, is both you and I work really hard for the income that we make. We don't have a lot of extra time on our hands, and our talent is being used regularly. So why should I be generous with what I have been given? It's hard, right? And if you don't have a job and if you don't have a career and you're still young yet and you're listening, someday you will definitely understand why people are not very generous. It's hard to get what we have. And so today we want to take a look at what what does God say about generosity? Because it's not so much what I think about generosity, it's not so much why I would give in the first place, but more why and what does God say about generosity. And we will come to figure out really quickly today that really 
What we have is not ours to keep. It is a gift that's been given to us that we are called to manage for God. And so I want to take a look with you first and foremost that, that this concept that everything we have belongs to God. Where does that come from? Well, the first passage I want to read with you today is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Let me tell you today, before we read this passage, there is so many Bible passages about generosity and about giving, about our time, our resources, our skills and abilities. It has so much to say about these things. And, and what I'm going to share with you today is just the tip of the iceberg of what you can research for yourself that God's Word says about what He has given you. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we read, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. You are not your own. And so when that passage says that, that includes the time that you have on this earth, the resources that God has given you, and the skills and abilities that God has given you. These are no longer your own. Yes, they are a part of you. Yes, maybe you have earned them, you've worked for them, you've refined them if they're your skills, but they're not yours to keep. They are a gift that you have been given. Not really something you've earned. It's been something that you have been given that belongs ultimately to God. He's the one who's given it to you. You are no longer your own. And so a biblical view of generosity truly at its core understands that we are just stewards. We are just managers of this time, of these resources, and these skills that God has given us. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 puts it this way. What do you have that God hasn't given you? <laughs> and if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? Did you see that? These things that you have in your life are a gift. So often we think of it as, I made that money. I went to school for that skill, or I've been given these gifts through all of the effort that I've put in. They are mine. But in all honesty, they're a gift from God given to you. Yes, you've worked for them. Yes, you earned that check. But really, it wasn't yours to get. It was God's to give that you've worked for. So what exactly does God ask us to do with our time, talents, and resources? What do we do if they're truly His in the first place, right? What, what do we do? Well, it begins with trust. It begins with understanding that God gave them to you and trust that He will give it to you no matter what He asks you to do with it. We read in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 20, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust 
in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So first, we must not trust our abilities to provide. Our trust isn't in our job or career, our schooling, the, the bank that we put all of our money in. It shouldn't be in our skills or abilities or in the time that we have or don't have. Those things will change. Those things aren't guaranteed, but we are to put our trust in God. And so ultimately, when we replace that trust in our bank account or our retirement and we put it into God, when he asks us to give maybe half of our income every year to things in his kingdom for using, for helping others, when he asks that, we know that we don't have to trust in our bank account. We trust in God because he will provide. He's the one who's given us our gifts, our talents, and our abilities. He will provide. And if he asks for us to do something with it, we know he will take care of us. And so we put our trust in God. Well, Paul goes on in 1 Timothy 6, in verses 18 and 19 now, and then he tells us exactly what we are to do with that money. Now that we understand that our trust is in God, not in the money or the skills and abilities, we now are to do something with these things. He says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. We are to be rich in good works and doing good to others. We are to give away our resources. We are to give away our skills and our abilities. And we are to sacrifice our time. But notice what Paul did not say in that passage. He didn't say anything about the amount that we are to give. It has nothing to do with what we have as far as the amount of time or the amount of money or the amount of skills. See, there's no judging upon whether somebody gave $1,000 or somebody gave a dollar. Why is that? Because it's not based upon the amount. It's based upon your sacrifice. Your sacrifice. Take a look at Mark 12, 41 through 44. And this is Jesus as he is watching people come in and give in the offering. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me anyhow why Jesus would be doing this, but this is what he was doing. And so in verse 41 of Mark 12, we read, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and he watched as crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus, can just imagine this, right? Think of this. Put yourself as just like a fly on the wall. He called his disciples. Come on, guys. said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Think if you were a disciple there. 
I think if you were that fly in the wall, you'd be scratching your head saying, what in the world is he talking about? This makes no sense. He goes on and he says, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. See, generosity isn't about the amount. It's not about the amount you gave. It's purely based on sacrifice. It's based on the sacrifice given. You see, generosity comes from a heart and understands and is not only just understanding, but is willing to follow God no matter what may come. When God asks you to, to give what you think is going to take you down to nothing and you have nothing left, but you know God has put it on your heart to give to that missionary, for example, right? You say, I, this, this is it. I don't have any extra money. Like I promised this person I would go and I'd, I would do this getaway with them. And if I do that, I can't go on that. You need to trust that if God asks you to do this, he's the one who gave you that money in the first place. He will provide if you are to go on that trip with that person. Right? It doesn't make sense. But when we know God is the author, he's the one who gives. When he asks, we must give. We must be obedient. But here's where things really don't make sense for the human mind, for our logic, right? There is something about when we understand this concept of this is God's and he gave it to us and we're just managers and when he asks us to give, we give. There is something magical that happens. <laughs> it really isn't magical, it's supernatural. Something unlocks God's favor when we let go of control and we let God have reins of our skills, our time, and our resources. Listen to some of these passages. These are just three of them because I didn't want to overwhelm you and overburden you today. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. So powerful. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. One who gives freely yet grows all the richer? That, that doesn't add up in our logic. But this is a God promise. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he is decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. What is God looking for? He's looking for people who are willing to just give back to him. Out of love, out of obedience, out of trust. And when we do, we'll receive back generously, abundantly. And then lastly, Luke 6, 38, Jesus just gives it all clear as can be right here. Give and you will receive. 
Not only are you going to receive, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But when we give, when we give freely back to God, and we are in utmost honor and trust in Him, He will give back generously, more than we can imagine. Winston Churchill put it this way. He said, we make a living by what we get. Isn't that so true? Yet, there's something better. But we make a life by what we give. I get it this morning or this evening, whenever you're listening to this or watching this in the future, I get it. Many people find themselves right now they don't have time to give. They're strapped. They're overwhelmed. That might be you today. You're like, I can't give none of my time. I got none to give. Many of you, you're, you're living paycheck to paycheck, and maybe you're even going into credit card debt just trying to keep up with what you have. Maybe you lost your job. Things aren't easy. I understand that. God's not asking you to do something that he won't give you the ability to do. I know so many people who, when they said, I am going to start tithing, even though I don't have it, I'm going to start giving 10% of my income back to God's kingdom. I'm, I'm not paying my bills all the way. I'm not doing everything I need to, but I'm going to honor God because his word is very clear that we are to tithe. We're to bring this, the tithe to the storehouse. I know so many people who put that down and said, I'm going to do that, and God honors that. And all of a sudden, their bills start going down. Their debt starts being slowly erased. It's amazing what God does when a person understands and allows him to have his time, his resources, his skills back. They're all a gift given to you to manage. And so I encourage you today, I understand that this is hard. But as we go back into our time of worship, can I ask you, will you ask yourself this question? Will you say, God, I haven't given you complete control and access to my life, to my finances, my time, my skills. I want to get to that place where I have the open hands and I say, this is yours, God. You gave it to me and I'm giving it back to you. To each person listening today, it's gonna look differently. I encourage you to do that. Don't hold on to your finances like this anymore. Open them back up to God. Trust him. He cares about your family. He won't let them go hungry. He won't let them go without a place to live. In fact, he will give you more than what you could ever ask if you will be obedient to him. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the promises of your truth. 
God, it is so powerful to me to think that when I give you back what you've given me in the first place, you give me more. These promises that are in your word are so true, and I've seen it happen in so many lives, and I do pray, God, that your people who are listening today will get a hold of that, that they will allow that to be reality in their life. God, may you send your favor over your people right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us again, Nexus Church family online, and I look forward to seeing you right here again next week. We'll see you then.
Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Father. 